Welcome to the Motorhome Matt podcast. Caravans, campervans, motorhomes and more. It's the place to get hints, tips and impartial advice from the expert himself, Matt Sims. Brought to you by thatleisureshop.com. Join us on the journey with Motorhome Matt. Welcome back to the Motorhome Matt podcast with me, Keith Gooden, and as usual, our expert, Motorhome Matt Sims. Great to be here, Keith. You well? I'm fine, thanks. And you? Another week. Yeah, I'm good. Summer's here. <laughs> it's lovely. Which is why we put our smart clothes on. We have our budgie smugglers on underneath <laughs> the desk. Oh my goodness, a little bit of sick in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> okay, today we're talking quite aptly talking of budgie smugglers about uh, uh, driving rules both here and abroad comme si comme ça uh-huh. bonjour and all the rest of it i can't go hoi hoi ho no. because matt has banned me you're not allowed to say that not allowed to say you just did <laughs> honestly Catherine tate got in trouble for that <laughs> so let's talk about uh, us driving our motor home and uh, some of the rules some of the laws yeah we've had lots of people asking about this yeah, we've had to uh, abide by when we're uh, driving on the roads and the motorways here and abroad mm-hmm. so yeah speed limit's been a popular question what speed limit can i travel at and it, the speed limit that your motor home is allowed to travel on a single or dual carriageway is determined by its unladen weight so how much is it weighing when it's empty so that's what you need to know. That Finding that out can be tricky because the gross weight is on the V5, on the registration document, that blue and red dock. The unladen weight, you'd have to weigh it really to find that out. The speed limit on a single carriageway and dual carriageway, if you're up to 3,050 kilos, is 60 miles an hour on a single and 70 miles an hour on a dual carriageway. If you're over 3,050 kilos unladen, then that speed is reduced slightly. So single carriageways is 50 miles an hour. A dual carriageway is 60 miles an hour, and motorways for both are 70. So the key is understanding what's my unladen weight, and that will determine how fast you can legally travel. And we're talking now about motorhomes. Motorhomes. Absolutely, yes, we are. We are very motorhome-centric with this speed thing, yeah. Okay, then, so that's uh, the speed limits. It's unladen weight, so you're going to have to go and uh, weigh your motorhome without anything in it. When you say with nothing in it, does that mean taking all the furniture and the fittings out? It doesn't, does it? No, 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 no. So the unladen, so no luggage, no passengers. Um, there will be an unladen weight of the vehicle. Um, so just you know, take it empty, empty all the lockers out, take yourself out and get, a, and get a weight receipt and then you can prove it if you need to. So what else do we need to keep an eye on when we're driving in this country? So another question we've been asked quite a few times about seatbelts. So what are the rules about seatbelts? So motorhomes are often fitted out with rear lounges, you know, lovely spaces to sit and lounge, particularly in this country when the weather is inclement. And often they don't have any seatbelts in the back. Now there are very strict rules about seatbelt wearing in a motorhome and any if it's newer than 2007 any passenger traveling in it must be wearing a seatbelt. i find that there are motorhome salesmen that make this area gray sideways seatbelts are a no-no not only are they incredibly dangerous they're illegal so i've seen motorhomes that have been fitted on the side seat and someone has bolted in two seatbelts proper seatbelts three-point belts or a lap belt and they've basically valued the motorhome as zero pounds by doing so. That seatbelts have to be fitted to the chassis. They should be fitted by someone who knows what they're doing. Uh, and the fixing points have to be welded to the chassis points. You can't just screw them to wood. And the vehicle is obviously licensed to carry so many people, as determined again by that V5 document, that blue and red 
registration document that you get when you buy it has your name and address on. And that would say how many people it can carry. And that will be determined by the number of belts. Now, there's often an anomaly between the number of seat belts and the number of beds. So don't get confused by births because often that's referred to how many people it will sleep. This is about the number of seatbelts and the number of travelling seats. Now you must wear a seatbelt. Everybody must have a seatbelt on when they're travelling for any journey if the vehicle is newer than 2007. If it's older than 2007, then people can travel in it without a seatbelt on a temporary basis. That's the rule. And there are very precise wording you can go and Google for yourself. But I do remember we were in a very old American motorhome. It was our first motorhome called Phoebe. And if you follow me on social, you'll know all about Phoebe. And we had eight of us in it. <laughs> I mean, six of them were really tiny kids, more than there were seatbelts. And we knew it wasn't safe. Uh, we knew it wasn't particularly clever, but she was old and slow. And she was beautiful. And we would, took our time uh, and then we met with friends and some of the kids got into, into the car. Um, but there was a point on the journey where we were travelling too many people in it. So, you know, people do do it, but there are very strict rules about it. Do some people actually think that while the motorhome is, say, driving on a road or a motorway, that they can be toddling around the back and, you know, sorting out the shopping or something like that? Yeah, well, we have had, had people ask questions, you know, can I get up and cook a bacon sandwich, <laughs> you know? Um, while I'm still moving. While I'm driving. <laughs> <laughs> there's a darwin award waiting to happen so no you can't i mean you know any cooking appliance live where you're driving is not a good idea in fact there are strict rules about gas being on as well when you're driving uh, and many motorhomes have a valve that shuts off when it detects motion and traps the gas so the the stove doesn't work not a clever idea to be boiling a kettle at 50 mile an hour don't do it at all it's not allowed it's against the law and if you're caught well, you might not be banged. Well, you might be banged up for the night, actually. That's pretty serious stuff, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. OK, what other motoring laws apply to motorhomers then in this country? So the other question we have is about child seats. What are the rules around putting a child seat in a motorhome? Exactly the same as a car. Dead simple. So if your child is under the required height or weight they and age, they need to be in a child seat. If they're in the front and they're a baby and they're rear-facing, then you need to turn the airbag off. Uh, that's a safety requirement. Otherwise, they can be forward-facing in the UK. France, different. Come to that in a minute. In the back, they must be belted in, so in their child seat with the seat belt on as well. Moving around, as we say, moving around in the motorhome, cooking in it, using the toilet. I mean, that's a classic. I remember driving back from Lyme Regis one time. I thought, what's that smell? I can smell the toilet. And I, I turned my head over my shoulder. I'm driving, and there's Reuben at the time, probably six years old, walking back to his seat and clipping himself back into his car seat. I said, Rue, what are you doing? He said, I'm clipping myself in, Dad. And the toilet door's swinging around. He said, I needed a wee. <laughs> and he's got out of his seat, walked back, had a wee, left the door open, but clipped himself back in. And he thought, you know, he thought that was perfectly reasonable. It wasn't, of course. So, you know, we had to correct his behaviour there. Um, next time, ask Dad. So using the toilet where you're travelling, no. Definitely not. Uh, there are some rules as well about towing. A lot of motorhomers tow a car. Rules around towing, you've impacted your speed by doing that speed limit, and you can't tow on a motorway in the outside lane. Remember that, if you've got the car on, on the back, you can't be in the outside lane. Uh, that applies to caravanners as well. But doesn't that apply to everybody who's towing anything, even in a yeah. car? You cannot use that overtaking But it's easy lane. to forget in a motorhome because you don't see the car. No. It's not really going to impact the performance of the motorhome, not really. I mean, it depends on the motorhome you're in. 
Uh, so it is very easy to forget. To just remember that. And what, what if you're towing one of those big things on the back for extra storage as well? The same applies there. That's just be, that's being towed. Well, like a trailer. Yeah. Yeah, that's no, towed vehicle. Can't be in the outside lane. Can't be in the overtaking no, lane. No. Okay, then leaving the engine running is a yeah. no-no, I believe. This is an interesting one. So you have to be in control of the vehicle at all times. So leaving the vehicle engine running and then running off to get fuel or pay for fuel is a no-no. It's not allowed. It's frowned upon. So you shouldn't leave your engine running with the vehicle unattended. Did you know that? I didn't know that. And particularly in winter when it's frosty, isn't that something we've all done? I'm sure it is, but it's, 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 you shouldn't be doing it. And it's a motoring law that applies to motorhomers, campervanners as well. So, Matt, what else should we be wary of when we're driving in this country in our yeah. motorhome? Snow. So did you know there's a rule that snow, you need clear snow from obviously your windscreen, but from your roof. Now, on a motorhome, you've got a big roof or a caravan, great big roof, can hold quite a lot of snow. When you're driving along, that can fly off and hit someone travelling behind you. It could be very icy. So there is a legal requirement to clear the snow from the roof before you travel. So you get your broom out and... Whatever implement you want to use, yeah. Broomstick's a good idea, broom. Yep, and just make sure there's nobody standing on the other side of the motorhome when you do it. <laughs> <laughs> so, Matt, let's talk now about uh, my uh, cruise control. I love the cruise control <laughs> in the car. Never used one in a motorhome, mm. but uh, it's very handy. It means that you can set your speed and uh, then take your feet off the pedals and you can either... Uh, cancel the cruise control from the steering wheel or when you next press the brake or accelerator turns off it turns off very handy to do gives your ankles a bit of a rest as well if you're on a long journey yeah but in the notes here you say it's not a chauffeur what does that mean so you can't leave it to drive you and get in the back go to the loo people don't do that <laughs> no oh, do they i'm just saying you can't yeah don't treat it as a chauffeur and, and I've known people take their eyes off the road because the cruise is on and lean across and get in the glove box. Really? Oh, yeah. Darwin Award winners. And I bet somebody somewhere has tried to swap driver, put the cruise control on, and then, you know, dad's <laughs> yeah. got out and mum's got in the seat. Can you imagine? Oh, my goodness. Just don't even think about it. Just don't, don't do it. Uh, fog lights. Yeah. Alan Partridge, I don't know if you've seen the film, Alpha Papa, but Alpha uh, he Papa. in particular uh, does not like people with fog lights uh, no. during the day. And actually, it is an offence to drive with your fog lights on. I it notice is. more and more people in cars these days like to use their fog lights instead of their headlights. Don't ask me why. Um, but the same applies, doesn't it, for motorhomes? Don't they, use them they, unless it's foggy. They could be driving lights that are on all the time. I mean, this is, you see increasingly people drive off in the dark. They can kind of see the road in front of them. They're oblivious to the fact that dashboard isn't lit up. They haven't got an auto function on the headlight. And they drive away with no taillights on because the front lights are on. They haven't turned the headlights on. Ah, I see that a lot. I think that's quite dangerous. Extremely dangerous. Absolutely. Right. Let's talk about mobile phones and motorhomes, shall we? Yeah. Are the laws any different uh, nope. driving in this country? Exactly the same as in a car. Yeah, you're going to get six points, £1,000 fine. If you're caught touching the screen of your phone, of course, those rules have all been updated, haven't they, recently? Touching the screen of the phone, it, you can't do it. It needs to be in the glove box. Well, there were teams of solicitors a, a few years ago who were arguing in court that the mobile phone was being used as a mapping device, a GPS device, and that's the reason that the person was seen uh, touching the screen. The mm. laws have been updated now, which says you can't be fiddling around with it at all. That's right. You're not allowed to touch the screen, are you? Um, any contact with the phone and seen by a police officer and you're going to be falling foul of the rules. Mm. And if you've already got six points on the licence, another six points means you're banned. Yeah, a friend of mine has 15 points on his driving mm. licence. You can go to court and argue and beg. 
Yeah, he went to court, got two lots of six points, got given another three and went home. So I, I don't know. He was stopped by a police officer who got his colleague out of the car and said, look at this, he's got 15 points. <laughs> but it's so easy, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's so easy to be touching your mobile phone and then jump a speed camera or jump a red light. And before you know it, you are, you've lost your license. Yeah, my phone has got, and a lot of people's phones have got a, a handy thing you can engage, uh, which is uh, driving. And it won't ring and do anything yeah. for you when it detects uh, that you're going a certain speed. That's I, right. I, I yeah. presume. It's a good feature. Yeah, a very good feature. Mine's completely hands-free. So if it does ring, you know, I can answer it without touching it. Um, it will tell me who's ringing so I can hear whether I want to answer it. But another thing, though, that's interesting, headphones, we'll come to this in a minute. Head, so earbuds, they're a handy way of having hands-free. They're illegal on, in France. Yeah. Any form of headphone where you're driving is illegal in France. But, but let's come to France in a minute. We'll come to France in a minute. Ho, he, ho. So uh, do not express frustration with your horn. No, you can't. Beep, beep. You're not allowed to do it. Well, I do that all the time. Of course you do. I, I mean, can imagine. The road is full of idiots. <laughs> and, uh, you know, creeping up behind them, giving them a good blast, that usually clears them out of the way. No, not allowed to do it. No, you're not allowed to do it. It's, it's only meant for... Hello, I am here, according to the highway code. It is, same as flashing your lights. Yeah. That's what that means, too. Can you believe someone asked this? Can I watch the TV when I'm driving? I think their question was actually, I can't remember who it was, I don't think, I think it was anonymous. I think what they were asking is, can we have the television on in the motorhome whilst we're we're travelling? And the rule to that, my answer to that would be, yes, you can, provided the driver can't see it. I used to drive to work year in, year out for 19 years to do early shifts on radio stations. And uh, it was a quiet time of the morning, you know, 4am. And you would see uh, cars, mainly because you can't see in motorhomes because you're lower than if you're in a car. They would have an iPad or a phone and they would be watching a film while driving. Yeah, I've seen that in traffic jams heading into town. Yeah, I mean, you're distracted. If you're distracted, you're not concentrating on the road. I think this is where the campaign for the stricter phone use rules has come from because, you know, it was it was quite outdated. Phone's use has transformed, isn't it, the last few years? You can sit there and watch a Facebook stream. You can watch a YouTube video. Box junctions, they're not for waiting in, but we all know that. You can enter a box junction providing your exit is clear, unless, of course, you're turning right. Doesn't everybody learn that? Yeah, it's true. Same in a motone, but people forget. People forget. Um, remember road tax as well making sure the vehicle's taxed motorhomes particularly are off the road six months of the year and sometimes longer so it's easy to forget that it's not taxed Um, you can check online really quickly Um, check vehicle tax google that and you'll be straight to the website they do send you a letter when your tax is expiring so there's no excuse no true but you know letters get lost people move house yep and keeping your driving license up to date in uh, so-called backlog Britain at the moment, that's a tough one because people's licences are expiring and they're sending them off to be renewed and it's taking a lot longer than normal. It is, yeah. I've got a date in my diary of when my photo driving licence expires because they do, they have an expiry date and my passport uh, and uh, I've set a six-month reminder ahead of time to get it sent off, get it updated. So keep your eye on that one, particularly if you're driving abroad, which is Absolutely. what we're coming to now, because you must have a driving licence uh, with you, which is valid when uh, driving abroad. As, as soon as you step into France or any other European country, the driving rules are different. What are the differences, Matt? So your UK driving licence is going to be still be valid, even though we're post-Brexit. You don't need an international driving permit. So I mentioned earlier, headphones, any use of any form of headphones is illegal in France. 
So earbuds, ear pods, whatever they're called. Those little white things that go in your ears. I've got some. They're brilliant. <laughs> Headphones. Headphones. <laughs> AirPods. AirPods. Thanks, Earbuds, George. Eyepods. Your <laughs> uh, wigs. <laughs> what else in France and uh, the continent is different when you're driving your motorhome? The alcohol limit's different. Really? Yeah, and I've, I'm going to read this. So I've got this. For drivers and riders, so motorcyclists as well, of course, that have less than three years of experience, driving experience, th- not drinking experience, <laughs> the alcohol limit is 0.2 grams per litre. If you have more than three years driving experience, the limit is 0.5 grams per litre. Both are lower than the English, Welsh and Northern Irish limit of 0.8 grams per litre. The Scottish limit is 0.5. I didn't know that. Depending on your driving experience, determines how much you can drink. So the, the thing is, is not to drink and drive at all. Well, really, there should be the rule. I mean, no half a pint, no half a pint. Oh, this little pastis—it won't do me any harm. Just don't take the chance. No, don't. I mean, I'm in a generation where people do. I know they do. I know where I live. I mean, you walking home from the pub take you two days. I find though that the if when we go to the pub, we we will get a lift, but. There's a younger generation that just won't drink and drive at all, and that's very accepted, very normal. See, I'm a member of the younger generation, and I don't drink anything. (laughs) And don't get me started on why pubs charge more for a pint of Coca-Cola than they do for a pint of beer. So Jordan on camera, if you're watching on YouTube, he wouldn't have a drink at the pub. He's 26. If he's going to the pub, he wouldn't drink and drive. No. And I think there's a whole generation that are much more sensible than we were. Definitely. I've never drunk and drive. Don't, don't pull me into your uh, <laughs> a drunken lifestyle. My drunken iniquity. <laughs> so what else happens in France and Belgium and Germany and Le Contournon when I take my... Uh... High-vis jackets. Oh, yes. Go have a high-vis. Yes, They're a really do. sensible idea anywhere, but they are the law on the continent. One for every person that can walk. And do you have to wear them when you're travelling, or they just have to be in the car? <laughs> Only if you're delivering something. Yeah. No, if you break down. So if you're going to get out of the car or motorhome on the side of the road, then you have to have a, a high-vis vest, and it has to be accessible from within the vehicle. So there's no good having them in the boot, buried in with, underneath the floor with the spare wheel. They've got to be accessible so you can get out wearing it. And what about the warning triangle as well? Yep, that's true, one of those two. Now, that is normally in the boot, and you can get out, get the warning triangle, and place it. We carry two when we go away. In fact, we've got one that's LED, it lights up, it's amazing. So it would be really, really handy at night. And in the UK, these motorways, they call them smart motorways? Yes. If that inside lane, you're in the inside lane, it's open, what do you do? I heard a story the other day, a customer rang me, wanted a beacon that flashed on a power pack so he could give it to his daughter because they had a friend who nearly lost her life because the lorry nearly went up the back of her because he just didn't see that she was stopped in an active lane so there was no hard shoulder. No, the smart motorway system, I don't know if you know it or not, basically uh, the hard shoulder has turned into a running lane uh, which uh, is <laughs> not always in operation and they signal with the overhead gantry signs whether it's open or not. Because there's no hard shoulder to pull into, there are refuges uh, every uh, a third of a mile or so for you to pull into, but uh, it ha- is controversial and uh, I believe at this moment in time that the development of further uh, smart motorways um, has been put on hold stopped yeah i think they were increased i will get corrected on this but the i think the frequency of the refuge points was being increased uh but then the whole project's been put on hold i think it needs a rethink 
What do you think? If you're listening, let us know. Yeah, we've got one round Armandsbury nearby where we uh, record this, and it does improve the flow of traffic. But in my view, just slower speed limits and paint on the road would help more. I mean, I don't know about you, but when you go around Armandsbury on the smart motorways, People who are driving up from London or down from Birmingham have never used it before, just don't know what lane to get in because it's not properly signposted. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's where warning triangles become really, really useful. So low emission zones. Now, these are a relatively new thing in the UK. They've actually existed in France for some time. And you actually have to what's called have a crit air sticker on the back of your vehicle that tells the authorities the emission class that your vehicle's in. We're going to do a a podcast on that um, separately so we can unpack what they're all about. Uh, But if your diesel car is registered before 1997, you are banned from going into Paris, into their low emission zone, between 8am and 8pm on weekdays. That law came in 2020. It's like the Oules zone in in London, isn't it? Well, they're they're appearing all over the UK Mm. now. I got sent a letter having used the congestion zone in the past, uh, Mm -hmm. basically saying, don't bother coming back because the car that you're driving, you're you're banned in London now. (laughs) I'm not surprised. <laughs> we always reference your car. Yeah. <laughs> um, and something else we need to know, particularly in France, is the motorways are privately owned. So when you break down, yeah. you have to do something different, don't you? You do. You're not allowed. So say you've got RAC cover. You're not allowed just to call the RAC and get them to come to the motorway and, and, and address the issue of broken down car. You have to be rescued by their approved contractor who will take you to a recovery area where the RAC can come to you. And does the approved contractor charge you? Absolutely. Of course they do. Of course they do. And if you're stuck, you ring 112. So there's orange phones on the motorways in France. uh, And you go to a head to one of those and make a call there. And if you can't get to one of those, use your mobile to dial 112. So that's just some of the things. Oh, by the way, these prices. I've just seen these prices. Uh, It says, keep your receipt in order to be refunded by the RAC's European Customer Care Team. Does that apply to the other rescue services as well? I don't know. I think this document came from the RAC. From the RAC. Well, if you are an RAC member, and check if you're an AA or or a blue flag. And RAC do have a specialist product called RAC Arrival, which is specifically for motorhomes. It's it's done in conjunction with the Camping and Caravanning Club. So if you join the Camping and Caravanning Club, uh, ask them for the code and then go to the RAC with that code uh, or whatever the structure is for doing this. They will they will employ the RAC arrival service for you and it will cover motorhomes. I once had a 10-ton, nearly 9-metre Winnebago recovered from Lancashire back to Bristol through the night. Didn't cost me a penny. My RAC arrival cover sorted it. That it's definitely worth having if you've got a vehicle over seven metres long. There are there are lots of restrictions on car breakdown cover, which means your motorhome potentially is not covered. So, and this RAC arrival product is is geared for motorhomes. It's for motorhomes, but just be yeah. aware. Make sure you have a payment method with you if you are on the continent, and you do break down. It, uh, price is up to two hundred and thirty-two euros to get towed to the safe areas, and they will want payment there and then but you will get a refund uh, depending on which rescue service you are that's why you see the locals pushing their cars at the hard shoulder (laughs) (laughs) don't blame them what is the 2cv designed for it was designed for carrying was it rubbish bin two sheep in in the back across a field was it yeah yeah. Yeah. Uh, i had one one once i bought it for 50 quid crashed it sold it for 80 (laughs) 
Okay, let's talk about briefly. We've talked about this before in previous podcasts, but that damn sticker on the back of the car, the GB1, oh, yes. is no longer. I was driving here today to meet with you, and I saw the UK sticker on the back of somebody's car. We're now the United Kingdom. We're not Great Britain. Since we've exited, we've brexited. We did, yeah. And the United Kingdom includes Northern Ireland. So Great Britain is England, Scotland and Wales. United Kingdom, Northern Ireland. And that's why the change. So from the 28th of September 2021, we have to display a UK sticker somewhere on the back of the vehicle. You can buy the little number plate stickers. We sell them in the shop at thatledgershop.com. You can stick them on your number plate and we sell the big white UK sticker. But the GB sticker is no more. Okay, then. So that's just some of the differences between driving here in your motorhome and driving uh, on the continent. Anything you'd like to add then, Matt? So someone had a great question is, do I need an insurance green card to drive on the continent? No, you don't. From the 2nd of August 2021, drivers will no longer require an insurance green card for taking their vehicle to France. So the green card was the insurance proof. And it was your insurer would... Il- would, um, would, il- would- your insurer would issue it. I thought you were speaking French then. Yeah, I nearly said it. I nearly said it. <laughs> Damn. Will you, will you, will you? No. <laughs> no, I won't. Well, that's just about it. Uh, the differences between driving here and driving abroad. Anything else you'd like to add then, Matt? A couple of quick things. Headlight beam deflectors, really important because our headlights point the wrong way. Really important you've got them on even in the daytime. French police officer will see the British number plate. If you haven't got them stuck on their headlights, they could pull you over because you're not fit to drive at night, even if you're driving in the daytime. Uh, I've been pulled over for not having headlight stickers on in bright sunshine, and I looked at the sky and shrugged my shoulders and shook my head didn't go down well no no no, all going stop it yeah but but, but the thing is of course and what a lot of people forget we've mentioned this in the past before is that when next time you drive at night look at how much the pool of light goes onto the pavement i know it's there for safety's sake so you so your headlights are illuminating pedestrians as well as the oncoming traffic yeah the other thing we had a question about this really good question about the breathalyzer the alcohol test kit now you can buy these and and they were required in france and there's lots of kind of gray area they go out of date and you can get told off for having an out of date one in january 2013 the french government announced that they would not be enforcing the 11 euro fine for not carrying one the advice is to carry one whatever you're driving and i would recommend you have them in the vehicle and that they are in date just in case you get a road stop just off me just off the top of my head what fruit and vegetables you can't take into france what you can't take that's right that's meat or products containing meat milk or yeah. dairy products and you can't take the following unless you pay to have them inspected before you leave and get a phytosanitary certificate <laughs> I've got two of them in my wallet right now. <laughs> so that's fresh fruit, that's apart from bananas, coconuts, dates, pineapples, and of course the durians that we're carrying, vegetables, plants, and plant products. Just in case you were wondering about any of that, I thought I'd add that in at the end. Thank you very much for that. You've got a couple of sanitary certificates in your wallet. <laughs> Insanitary ones. Okay, then, uh, Matt, the social media stuff. Are you going to do the business? Yeah, if you've got a question you want to ask us or some way of contributing to the podcast, you can do so. Just head to motorhomematt.co.uk forward slash ask Matt, record your question or type it into the box and submit it. And we will do our best to answer it either in a podcast or come back to you directly. And YouTube? Look us up on YouTube, Motorhome Matt. Click the subscribe button and remember to click the bell. Then the gods of YouTube can tell you when we've got a new episode out. And you'll find us on Facebook and Instagram too. We are Motorhome Matt everywhere.
Thanks for listening to the Motorhome Matt podcast. Remember to check back here for more episodes full of hints and tips and helpful advice. We'll see you soon for another Motorhome Matt podcast brought to you with thatleisureshop.com. Oh,